Hey team, welcome to episode 73 of Transition Talk, where we talk about dental transitions and how to navigate the sometimes messy path to practice ownership. Buyers, this episode is for you. Of course, no one wants to overpay for a practice, but is there ever a time that you should? We get this question all the time. And in this episode, we're going to look at three practices. We're gonna discuss the numbers, the circumstances, tell their stories, and figure out if they are worth the price. Worth is in air quotes if you can't see that. Maybe the practice is not as great as it seems, or maybe it's incredibly better than you thought. We'll take a deep dive in and find out when it's worth it and when it isn't. But before we get into that, Mr. Loretto, you're looking mighty tan today. I am tan and maybe a little little peel. The uh, <laughs> the Mexican sun, man, it's not playing around. It was like a cloudy day. I put no lotion on nothing. I'm just kind of like what hanging out the umbrella. Like we, I'm not supposed to get it, you know, burnt. And man, it backfire. Yeah, it's like 80 degrees and just cloudy and yeah. The sun's real in Mexico. So it, Don't mess with Mexican real. sun. It is real. It is not fake. So besides Mexico, what's your favorite vacation spot? Well, I love, I have been a lot through the Caribbean and a lot through Mexico. And to me, it, it all comes down to finding a place that's like amazing service. And that just happens to be Mexico, but it's all about service to me. And just when I'm on vacation, like vacation, just Roxanne and I, or mm-hmm. another couple that we really like not with kids. Okay. Those are family trips, family trips. Yeah. Yeah. But I like the full service aspect. You know, I've done some homes and those are also super cool, but again, I'm very spoiled. The home has to come with like the service, you know, maybe some breakfast in the morning. They got a chef or something. You don't want to cook on vacation. No, 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 and no. I like the flexibility of doing nothing of like sitting on the beach or or sitting and looking at the beach. And I like the flexibility of being able to do the excursions that are closed, but not the all day ones. Mm -hmm. I, need something that starting you know maybe at eight and i'm back around 11 or 12 don't need the all day thing you know (laughs) i get a little anxious and bored by it so uh, what about you what's your uh, vacation spot uh something you can share with us so i love lakes yeah but i think that's like the stage of life i'm in like with kids like for me like a house is better than a hotel because then i can have like all our stuff definitely And I'm always willing to overpay for whatever house because I need it to be like close. I need it to have amenities. I need to have enough space. I need to have like a nice furniture. Like I'm not trying to like cut quarters on amenities, but I do like a good lake with just Chris and I, I mean like beach, like we're very much like do nothing vacation folks. Like I want to be a more adventurous vacationer, but then like booze and doing nothing always kind of get in the way of just (laughs) being adventurous. So, but yeah, but then that like both of us, hit on this too which is like an interesting component like sounds like you're willing to overpay for your hotel or like where you're going have you ever overpaid and like been like oh this was a disappointment I'm trying to think about that. I went to St. Lucia recently. I felt I overpaid there. On everything? <laughs> I know my friends aren't listening that invited, so I, it's not going to offend them. But yeah, it was it was just over the top. Just the flights, the hotel, the I just I have high expectations. Yeah. I, and it's funny is when I travel for business, I really don't give a crap. Yeah. It could be at this hotel. I don't need any private this or that. I don't care where I eat. I'm so low maintenance. But in those four or five times a year that I'm truly going for me, I'm as high maintenance 
maintenance of a traveler, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm like, this coffee sucks. And I mean, I need it to be perfect. I am hard to please. So once I find my good spots, man, I am. We've only had a couple of times. Like we went to Denver, just Chris and I, for like an AM game. And he likes really nice hotels. So we booked this like hotel and didn't do a ton of research, just like booked it. We literally showed up and we could have been in New York. Like I think I could have like reached out and like yeah. touched both walls. And I was like, what did we spend for this room? Yeah. Yeah. I was so annoyed, but that was like the non-research of that was like the frustrating part. And, and that surprised me because Chris is about as bougie as oh, it gets. Oh, he is he, bougie. He, 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 I need to actually probably be sending him places where, where, I'm, where I'm going and to make sure he puts a stamp of approval on yeah. it. Yeah, Lila is following in his footsteps. <laughs> is that so right? yeah, yeah. So like they're contending for bougiest. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. True. Overpay, girl. Let's buy some stuff. Yeah, Let's... so that clearly segues in. It's different, very different from a dental purchase, not as long time commitment. But I think it all comes down to that same question like is it worth it and the question of is it worth it can be different for every person right like some people overspend on food some people on the amenities same with the practice right like what are you willing to overpay on we've worked with clients who have said i know this is priced high but this is where i want to be and this is the only option and so i'm happy to overpay but we get that question all the time and i think these rules of thumb like percentage of collections and number of times earnings and ebitda and all those things have i think brought that to the forefront so i think we get numbers stuck in our head without looking big picture. Clearly what our role is here at NDP is to help you see that big picture. But I think it would be helpful to go through like three examples and then let's just chat about them. So I'm going to start with something that is we told someone to overpay and it was very worth it. And I don't think they even like were very argumentative that it wasn't worth it. But I think it's a very good example that we will get people who will get this practice I'm about to detail and they'll be like, oh, but the price is so high. I can't even look at that. So let me give you the stats and I want you to take over. So ortho practice. Oklahoma, so not like California or right. Texas, but like so decent in an urban area of Oklahoma. Collections were about 2.2 price was about 2.6 so already kind of seeming a little high production was slightly higher at like 2.4 so like still kind of growing kind of thriving kind of ortho practice seller did want to work back but it net about 1.4 so did about 2.2 netting about 1.4 so talk me through some other parameters of this particular client yeah so this guy came up to me many years ago and basically very stoic kind of explained the situation and didn't want to show his hand as far as good or bad or ugly but basically told me the numbers and said, what would you do it? I was like, well, there's a lot more that I'd want to ask you, but high level, here's what I just heard. It does 2-2, and I know that you're currently making about 4 to 450. I know that you're telling me that you can do 500 starts, so I know that you can do this level of work. The business you said was making 1.4, and the price was 2.6. Now, in general, that is really overpaying. That's like 120% mm-hmm. of collections, which is just absolutely unheard of. But in this example, I looked at them and said, I mean, there's no brainer. And the reason is, is that if you were to finance $2.6 million, you'd have a debt payment of $300,000. $300,000 minus the 1.4 that it currently nets is 1.3. You currently go to work, you're doing 500 starts, you're doing whatever, 70,000 a doctor, you're checking two hygienists, whatever that circumstances is of doing six root canals a day, whatever that situation is, if you can all of a sudden replace it with, well, I do the exact same thing, now I own, and I go from $400,000 income to 1.1 after debt, I'm going to look at you and say, 
this is a good deal. Now, it's very unusual that we're going to overpay for it, and there was some huge obstacles that we had to overcome. Number one is lending, because mm-hmm. a bank is not going to lend mm-hmm. that amount of money, and it's a lot higher risk when they're doing $2 million loans versus like $800,000 loans. So there were some huge obstacles that we needed to overcome. This seller was so ridiculous, he went to a broker and basically said, well, the broker actually came to him and said, do you want to sell your practice? He said, well, sure. You get me $2.6 million for it. You pay me $2,500 per diem. You find me a buyer that wants to lease the building for $10,000 a month, and I'll sell it. And of course, the broker posted it. And of course, interested buyers kind of popped on it. But there was too many barriers, mainly lending for all of the buyers. So this particular person actually had some family connections and family money and was able to leverage that to make this purchase. But this is absolutely a case that, you know, I'm going to overpay unless you've got a better deal for me. When the answer is I don't have a better deal and I'm just going to remain the associate, that's not good enough for me. Mm-hmm. So funny. I just thought of something. So we have another client we're not currently working with, but I've just kept in touch with. And similar thing it was like, hey, I'm actually interested in selling my practice, but here are the things that I need in order to make this happen. Yeah. And it doesn't work for all buyers. You know what I mean? Like certain buyers are going to be like, I don't want this particular person wants to work back for three or four years. And it's really not a two doctor practice, but for the right person, right? Like maybe the female who just graduated is going to have their first kid and needs some support and isn't ready for ownership and wants mentorship. Like you should always look at like, what am I making now? And what is my opportunity? And like, think ahead. Don't think in the next year or just look at the price and be like, this doesn't make sense. Like, whole picture. Mm-hmm. Is this where you want to be and what do you want to do and where do you see yourself? And so it's nice when you can get those people or alternatively, nice when you get someone who just says, I physically can't get past that and I'm going to move on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you do you, worth it is different, but in this case, like financially, numbers and your ability to do the work, like this makes sense all we, day long. I can't tell you how many sellers all of a sudden just names and names are popping to my head that the seller said the same thing. I've got this buyer. I don't really want to sell, don't need to sell, but I've been talking to him or her and over a three to four year period, this is what I'd like to do. I don't need to value the business. This is what I want. I've agreed to it. They've agreed to it. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Like, our answer right. is let's do the numbers. If it financially cash flow makes sense, yeah. And I talk to the buyer and they seem yeah. reasonable, just like you sound reasonable. Then of course, you know, I'll walk both of you through this process. So I can think of a deal in Houston that we just finally completed where the associate worked for two years and then we just did a four year staggered buy-in that we finally just completed. Mm-hmm. Same thing. The terms were for the seller. And I think too, like some buyers, not all buyers, but some buyers look at those situations and their assessment is, well, the seller's just trying to screw me. They're trying to like get, you know, be greedy. No, they have an asset. It's worth it. They don't need to sell. Exactly. Like if any of you are trying to buy a car right now, this will age this episode, but trying to buy a car right now, like you're whatever car you're buying is not worth what you're paying, but like you need the car and that person needs to sell. And like, it, you know what I mean? Like exactly. something's worth what someone's willing to pay. So, okay. Moving on to situation two, this one, I'm going to give you the lowdown. And then I think we should go through like what would make this worth it and what would make it not worth it okay. because it's a little bit easier one to go back and forth. So general collections of 1.2 and price at 1.2. So hundred percent of collections. So well beyond what we say is quote, quote, normal. In order to buy this practice, we're going to need some working capital because it's not ortho. It doesn't have those contracts coming through. Total loan you need to get is about 1.4, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm going to need to get a loan for more than what the collections are. And then let's just like leave it there. And then tell me what would make this a worth it opportunity to you? Like overhead equipment, like give me like you are like, hey, if I hear this and I hear this, this makes it worth it to me. Yeah. So, I mean, I always 
Like, sell me on the deal. Sell me on the location. Mm -hmm. Tell me that your spouse, maybe it's your female spouse, or if you're calling me and you're the female, you are from that area. You love it. It's got an amazing overhead, some 50% overhead. It it makes $600,000. Tell me it's got a beautiful layout. You know, it's not confined with three chairs. It's got five chairs that fully equipped and, and two more that are plumb. So I've got room for expansion, not just the area as far as the city and where you live, but it's the affluent area. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful location with great signage, an amazing team, and part of that overhead that's just very well organized. The type of patients you see, the procedures, there there may be, it could be an example of simple crown and bridge type where you can easily go in and do it, or it could be a type of practice with certain procedures that have some complexity to it that maybe you've been trained in. You mm-hmm. could be, maybe it's a prosthodontist that's buying this high and restorative practice with a low overhead, with really high patient base and high complicated cases and fees, but you can do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, that example, you know, I really want you to sell me on both you, your spouse, the cash. I want to know your circumstance, how much you're making now. Can you do the work? So there's so many things that if I go through my checklist and it's just like answer, yes, 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 yes. I'm just like, yeah, we're overpaying. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to figure this out. I mean, hurdles, of course, are going to be lending, but let's go to the bank. Let's go to the seller. Let's go to your family. Mm-hmm. We got to figure it out. There's too many checks in our boxes here that just basically say we got to do it. Yeah. You know? And I think too, from a seller's perspective on both our first example and this example and the like, it's worth it to do it. As a seller, you have to understand what those lending hurdles are going to be. And if you're asking an above market price, you have to understand you are looking for a particular buyer that either has the funds, family or otherwise to make up the difference of what can't be lended on or you have to be able to carry a note and like have confidence enough that what you're asking for is going to continue on and like prove itself out. Exactly. In yeah. this example, the bank may lend up to 85 or 90%, but that maybe include the working capital and AR. So maybe they lend, I don't know, the example of a million dollars, but uh, the seller has to carry back 200, 300, 400 type thousand dollars. So we need to make sure that you understand that and make sure maybe if the broker's representing a seller or the seller that we're all on the same page about that hurdle. Yep, absolutely. And for you, like, oh, let's flip it then. So we obviously do this all the time and we interview people. Tell me this same practice, the million two, million two price, the work for 1.4. Tell me when you would see someone and go, I don't know why you're sending me this deal because I'm a math person and I'm trying to educate you that you to be a math person and maybe this doesn't make sense. So flip the switch a little bit and you know, give me an example on your side when this is a no. Yeah. So this is a no primarily because of cash flow, right? Like let's say instead of a 50% overhead, it's a 65 or 70% overhead. And the reason why the overhead is high is not because we've just like overpaid, you know, various things. It's the staff, like all the staff is overpaid. So it's going to be incredibly hard to get that overhead down. Now, instead of, you know, maybe a 600 minus the 150 debt service at 400, now maybe it's even less, right? And now it doesn't actually equate or make it better than what you're doing now as an associate. Old stuff, like I've got not only high overhead, but I've got lots of old stuff that I'm going to have to reinvest in. It's not computerized or just it's in a bad location. Carpet, you know, all those things. If you don't have the cash to do it from a low overhead perspective, then now you have overhead challenges and you're going to have to get equipment. The price is already so high. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to get additional lending. 
So you're really going to have to have a plan on like how to make that work. You can't do the work, right? So maybe instead of the complex procedures, it's the prof level, you know, high-end cases and you don't have any experience. So you're right. going to have to have the seller work back. Okay, well now cash flow wise, how is that going to work, right? If you can't do the majority of the work, you're not going to get the lending and your cash flows are going to be depleted. Also, we see this a lot. It's actually a declining practice or mm -hmm. maybe the year that they're pricing it off of was the very best year and there's some abnormal reason why it was at that rate. If it's a declining practice, I'm not willing to pay 100% for mm -hmm. it. If it is going down year over year, there's a reason. And it's oftentimes not just because it's selling doctors slowing down. There's going to be work to build it back up to whatever it was in the glory days. And so I'm going to want to pay something more market for that practice. Yep. And look, in, in our first example, the buyer makes 600. There's plenty of cash to do a lot of mm -hmm. things uh, to reinvest and even to grow the business. But in our second example of, you know, the million two price tag, when you're mentioning like a 70% uh, overhead, I mean, this thing makes 360. 360 is pre-debt. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, if I'm paying $150,000 towards debt payment, mm -hmm. I'm left with 150. Oh, and wait, we need stuff or wait, we need the established doctor to work back in the practice because of certain procedures or maybe the bank is requiring it. Mm -hmm. There's no money. Yeah. Okay. So when you're looking at deals like this, you've got to run the cash out and say, okay, what does it do? What does it net? How much after debt? And can I live on that amount of money? These are fundamental questions that we want to make sure after 73 episodes that you definitely have figured out that we're going to look at this. And again, I'm never afraid to overpay for something when it makes a ton of money. So yeah. yeah and, awesome. and bigger practices can have higher overheads and still have like enough quote, quote cash. Right. But is that enough cash enough for you, right? Yep. Like after debt service, after seller work back, smaller practices, it's going to be harder for that cash flow to work simply because your pie is smaller, right? And so it's like, you're going to have to have, we might be still willing to overpay for that smaller practice with a slightly higher overhead, but you're going to have to have another plan for like, what am I going to do to either make it bigger or bridge the gap of what we need personally? Because mm -hmm. that's something you and I, I can't opine on what you need personally or what your spouse right. makes or, right. you know, what your lifestyle is, right? Like you got to buy this thing that's going to funnel the rest of your world and trajectory and cash flows and budgets. And so like you have to have a good handle on that before we can tell you like, is this cash flow enough? We can mm -hmm. tell you. And that's why we use what you make now as the best judge, because you're already living on what you make now. Yep. And so is the delta between what you make now better or is it worse? But that's OK, because you're going to be able to get there soon or you have another source that can yep. help you get there. And one more comment, too, about when you're looking at these practice and the primary reason that this practice overhead is out of line in your example was staff. So instead of you know having a 23% team cost, it had a 35%. So that's 12% higher. And it's all across the board. It's hygienists that are being paid $45 an hour or whatever. It's assistants that are 30-something an hour that's got an extra one. It's an office manager. And all of a sudden, you look at that. Man, that is a hard number to change. Mm -hmm. That 12% profit, that is costing you an extra 120 grand. We're going to either have to grow the practice with the same team or we're going to have to make some cuts. And that's very, very hard. It's a very hard thing to Easy do. to cut. Maybe the supply bill from eight to five, easy to cut the lab bill from nine to this, easy to cut this, these three or four things and to get that overhead down and the other areas mm -hmm. of direct and fixed costs down. But man, that team cost is a hurdle or an amazing thing that you're buying when the team cost is in line. Like in my mm -hmm. first example with the 50% overhead, more than likely that example, the team is probably in the low twenties, which is fantastic. It's a well old machine that's mm -hmm. working. Though. And you have more leverage when you buy and yours like 
this year when staff costs are going up and you're yep. nervous about losing people, you have the leverage and the ability to increase it. And yeah, your overhead's going to go up, but like you have the percentage points to give yep. if you need to do uh, that. I make 600 grand. I'm a lot more generous at 600 grand than 300 grand. And after that, 150. 150, I'm, I'm yeah. stressed. Very, yeah. very stressed. 100%. Okay. Third example, we'll go specialty this round. Let's say Endo, mm -hmm. okay, $3 million, nets $2 million, has mm -hmm. a 35% overhead. Our buyer has been there a long time, mm -hmm. seven years. Feels like they grew the practice, mm -hmm. and so the seller is asking 2.4, and the buyer feels like that's like a little disappointing and yep. like kind of a slap in the face, like you're asking this high price, like I'm some Joe off the street, I helped grow this, like... I'm not sure, is, is, is it worth me doing this or should I just leave and like go do my own thing and build this up again? Cause I clearly did it the first time. Yeah, so many stories just <laughs> rolled through my head. So many people that call me in this situation, seven, eight, nine years, the associate, they grew it, they're, they're specialized. Charles, I did this and this, and we talked about it early on, talked, keyword, talked about that we'd have a transition plan for me, this and this and that. And seven, eight years later, when I got there, the practice was only like, a million two and now we're at three million now he's expecting me you know pay this 2.4 and i grew it and no no no, no. okay we, all these emotions are coming out and this is where buyers don't like me because in the end that's up to you i mean you should have created a plan for yourself early on hey i plan on working here one or two years i want to create a plan i want to know at what point do we cap the collections mm -hmm. off that we're going to be using towards the valuation what points of valuation what transition team i mean you have to be able to push yourself so if you're listening and you are finishing a program or one or two years out man take this point to heart make sure you're having conversations with established doctors early on about how this process works so you're not the seven-year guy in the situation so this was just recent he's been there high producer doing around a million three and he is paid with increases over time but he's paid 50 percent so as a specialist you do make a little bit more than the than the gps at 27 28 30 32 and sometimes you were paid 40 45 in this example 50 percent so just like you just said in the last example, how much are you making? Mm -hmm. how, you, what do you do? You go to work? Great. You make six fifty. Now this practice, $3 million, is valued at $2.4. And the opportunity is that you were to, to buy in half. Again, emotionally distraught over the million dollars. You're already 45. Oh, my God. I feel like I grew it. I know this is how you think. My team thinks. Your team thinks. It's like... Just remove the freaking emotion. Go borrow a million two. What's my debt payment? 150. How much are you going to make? This business makes $2 million before we pay doctors. So half of 2 million, if you're not a math major, is a million. Okay? That's correct. And a million minus 150 is 850. And you just got through telling me you're making 600. So even if you make 700, a little bit more. Remember, you're owning because now you have equity. You're owning because you have the ability to start tax planning, pension planning. This guy's issue is there's zero tax planning as an employee for 600 grand. Zero. Okay. So he's just making money and paying taxes. The ability to maybe tax plan and run cash balance plans and cars and spouses and all, spouses plural, um, <laughs> <laughs> lots of different things that you can run through your practice. You know, have the ability to maybe take a tax bracket of six hundred down to a four hundred or even three fifty. This is why you own the business. Mm -hmm. Okay, get over the million two that you're going to have to pay, and this makes more sense. Or 
you're going to freaking leave. And think about it like this too. Like in this case, like we've said, this is specialist, but 40% is also like very standard that yeah. we see, right? So like yeah. this seller has chosen to overpay an associate, which very much sometimes can backfire. Sometimes they make so much more than like they don't see the benefit in ownership. It's short-sighted, right. but yep. sometimes yep. that happens. Right. But they've chosen to do that, right? And so I have chosen as a seller to like, overpay you and give you this premium for a period of time that I could have kept in my own pocket. I'm asking you to pay this price, right? Like you kind of have to kind of remove the emotion and say, okay, I got 10% more for the last two or three years. What does that financially equate to? I could have been paid 40 or 45, but you chose to pay me 50, which I'm greatly appreciative of. And so I'm paying 2.4 and I'd prefer to pay 2.2 or 2.1, like high level, take 50% of that. Like we're talking about nothing. Like you need to get over the hump of whatever that is. That's great. Good job there. That's definitely something I didn't bring to his attention, but you're right. And, and the other thing I'd want to comment on the reason that this business has a 35% overhead is two reasons. Number one, it's an adonic. And number two, it does $3 million. So yep. when you're doing $3 million, you're able to lower your fixed costs. So if you're an anodontist and you got a single location, you're doing a million, million one, million two, it's not uncommon to see your net at 50%. Maybe you're netting 55, okay? Mm -hmm. This guy's netting 65. So you're buying that amazing overhead and amazing cash flow, and I love it. I think the guy's been overpaid, frankly, for seven years. So maybe he started off at 40 and got to 50. He's probably been overpaid. You can make the case of maybe a million dollars, maybe seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll discount that off the price a little bit. Yeah, maybe we're about the same and it's reasonable and fair. Yeah, I think I need to call him up, Kristen. <laughs> call him back. <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do. I honestly don't know what he's going to do. We'll, we'll have to, this is a wait and see on this one because we didn't make a decision. TBD. I, mean, I think those are really good examples of the overpaying. And we don't always tell people to overpay, right? Like for every two calls we say overpay, there's eight that we say like, do not do this right. deal, right? Like this cash, even not overpaying, we say don't do this deal, right? right? So it's really looking at the whole picture, really understanding. And I think before we kind of sign off and, and say our goodbyes, like remember every situation like is unique. You have to look at all the factors. Practice opportunities may look very similar on the surface. You may be looking at two or three in the same geographic area and they're all similar collection levels. I guarantee you they're all different and Mm -hmm. they all have their own twists and turns and seller requirements and things you're not thinking about. So dig a little deeper, do your diligence and figure out like what's worth it to you. And before you kind of write something off because it's too much, let's look at the cash flows and make sure. So that's all we have for today, sir. But you know what we're trying to do, Christine? What? We're trying to find the don't mess it up deal. Don't mess it up yeah, deal. Yeah, we yes. need to find those. I, it's so funny. Someone told me that this morning. Like, is this going to be? I'm like, nope. They thought it was. It, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, no. we will tell you if it's a don't mess it up deal. So thank you so much for joining us on episode 73 of Transition Talk. As always, make sure to share the transition love with those who may not know of us yet. And of course, subscribe to Transition Talk wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, folks. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.